Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Around the World Sports. My name is Aaron Schellen. I have a very special guest today as I am joined by longtime Chicago Bulls pre- and post-game host and current TV analyst for the Windy City Bulls, Mark Schanowski. Mark and I dive deep into the upcoming Bulls season. We talk about what players will make an impact and what the future holds for this young Bulls team. Hope you enjoy it. And I am now joined by a longtime Bulls expert, Mark Shinowski. Mark, thank you for taking some time to join me this afternoon. I know, uh, you know, with the season getting started, you're probably pretty, pretty busy. So thanks for taking some time with me today. Sure, not a problem, Aaron. We're all excited about the start of a new season, obviously following right on the heels of what happened in the bubble. Kind of a quick turnaround, but it's all kinds of questions out there and uh, it'd be fun to talk about it over the next uh, span of time. Yeah, you know, and, and we'll get into um, kind of expectations a, a little bit later. But, you know, as as uh, Bulls fans have to feel pretty good about the direction, big changes in the front office and um, high draft pick and, and some young talent. So a uh, bit of a different vibe, I guess, around around the Bulls, uh, Bulls organization uh, this this offseason and, and in, into the upcoming season. Yeah, there's no question about it. With a new front office headed up by Arturis Karnishevis and the new coaching staff headed up by Billy Donovan, there's just a whole sense of optimism. I mean, listening to some of the comments from the players during the start of training camp at the Advocate Center, everyone says there's just a whole new energy, a whole new vibe, and they kind of want to throw out what's happened the last couple of years, give this a fresh new start. It's basically the same roster from a year ago with the addition of top draft pick Patrick Williams and the one free agent Garrett Temple. So, it's up to the players that are on the current roster to show that there's more to their games than what we've seen the last couple of years and see if they can take a step forward in what really looks like a much improved Eastern Conference. And before we get into um, this upcoming season and, and some of the players um, that, that are returning, the first the first player that I want to talk about is is Patrick Williams. So if you could just, just talk for a minute about, about what you expect to see out of him, what Bulls fans will see out of him, Will he make an impact on the roster this year, or is this a pick for next year and down the road? Yeah, I think it is kind of a future pick. Obviously, he just turned 19 in August, One of the was the youngest American player in the NBA draft. And he's got all the physical attributes that you would like. Six feet eight, seven foot wingspan. Uh, the the uh, coaching staff in front office said he's got huge hands to handle the ball. He was a point guard in high school before he had a growth spurt late in his high school career and, and moved up into the front court. So he's got all the requisite skills that you want in a young player. Now it's really just a question of how are those skills going to translate to the NBA? There's going to be some growing pains. He only had the one year at Florida State, and he didn't uh, start any of those games. He came off the bench for Leonard Hamilton down there, didn't put up great numbers, but you know, people look at him as a guy with the, the ultimate upside pick, a guy that's got uh, the physical traits to perhaps one day be a player like a Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, a versatile 
wing who can play either the three or the four, can handle the ball, can score, can defend. That's the kind of player they're hoping they're going to get, and only time will tell if he reaches that ceiling. Yeah, it's you never know what you're getting with those those 19 and, and, and 20 year old kids. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, three years down the road, you know, people thought Giannis was a was a bad pick at 13 and, and you know, look at where he is now. So you never know with these kids uh, coming out of coming out of school after one year. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, what he's able to provide. So um, you talked about uh, new coaching staff. Billy Donovan has got a. Uh, a long track record of success in, in both college and, and the NBA, which player, if there's one, which player do you think will benefit most from this coaching change? I would say probably Lowry Markkinen, because I think they're going to make every effort to try to make him a featured part of the offense. We saw parts of his first two seasons. We saw what he can do when you get him on the move when you run him off pin downs, when you get him cut into the basket, when you do different actions to get him the ball on the move, he can be a really versatile and dynamic offensive player. In his third NBA season, he kind of stagnated because the analytics department convinced Jim Boylan, you got to shoot more threes. And that became, let's, let's put Lowry on the weak side and just get him the ball and let him shoot three point shots, which really didn't take advantage of the fact that he's a versatile seven foot athlete who you know can do some things in catch-and-shoot situations, but also you can put the ball on the deck and beat his man off the dribble. So I think Markkinen is going to be featured in a lot of different ways, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see him having numbers at least as good, if not better, than what we saw in year two. I think, he, I think he's a guy that can get you 18 points, close to 10 rebounds a game, and if he can do that, take that next step forward, then the offense is going to look that much better this year. So you, it was leads me perfectly in, into my next into my next question. So how is this offense going to look different under Billy Donovan than it's looked in previous seasons under Boylan? A lot more motion. You're going to see guys cutting off the ball. There's going to be screens set on the weak side. There's going to be guys coming off multiple picks. It's not just going to be isolation. Shot clock runs down. Give the ball to Zach and see what he can create. I think there's going to be a lot more structure to it. I think you're going to see a lot more actions that are going to get guys some open looks. They were too dependent on pick and roll last year. You know, most of their offense was just based on high screen and roll where either Wendell Carter Jr. or sometimes marketing would come up and set a pick for one of the guards. And then they would try to operate off of that. Uh, That's really too easy to defend on the NBA level. I think you need multiple actions, especially some weak side movement. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that because Donovan has been pretty open about talking about the fact that he likes to cater his offensive and defensive systems to the ability of the players he has on the roster, which is something we haven't seen for the last couple of years. They tried to, you know, jam those square pegs into round holes and it didn't always work. So, you know, I think you're going to see a much more uh, adaptable offense this year where depending on what personnel is on the floor, they'll run different play calls because when they go to the bench, they're going to bring in some different athletes than what they have in the starting lineup. And I think that Donovan's been so successful at Oklahoma City and during his college career at Florida that he's used to working with young players. He's used to working with uh, ever-changing rosters. And I think he'll get the best out of whatever this group can be. So one of the other players who is going to be kind of under a microscope this season, I think a little bit, is is Zach Levine. I have sort of a two-part question for you here. So, so is this a make-or-break season for Zach, number one. And, and number two, what's his ceiling? I mean, is he 
is he a you know top player on a championship caliber team or is he a you know supporting actor? Yeah, I think that I think that he could be a, a number one player. You know, it's people tend to discount the fact that he averaged twenty five points a game last season. It's not easy to average twenty five points in the NBA, and that's something he was able to accomplish. People always talk about the fact that. He's, you know, sometimes his focus on the defensive end wavers a little bit, and he's not always the best at setting up his teammates that he's kind of a shot first player. But, you know, I, I think the skill set that he brings is is in the, you know, the upper, I don't know, 10% of the NBA. He's, he's a very good player. I think that he can get even better with the new coaching staff trying to bring out the best in his talents. And I, I think that they'll have other options besides, you know, just throw the ball to Zach and see if he can beat a double team and get to the basket. I think that this coaching staff is also going to help him reach his full potential. And he knows the fact that he hasn't made an all-star team. He's never been to the playoffs and he's got two more years left on his contract. He's looking at getting a big payday down the road. And I think he also wants to feature himself in the, in the fact that we'll see the best of Zach Levine this year so that not only can he have some individual and team success, he can also set himself up for that next contract. You mentioned that the Billy Donovan's offense is going to play to the strengths of of the players on his roster, and you would assume that defensively he would he would use that that same type of strategy. Is is that what you expect? Because I mean, Zach's never going to be a great defensive player, but you don't have to be a great defensive player to play team defense. Is that is that you think how they're going to? You know, I don't want to say hide Zach on defense, but is is that sort of the strategy to 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 play more of a a team style defense that allows you to sort of mask some of those deficiencies that that some of the Bulls players have? Well, I think you have to always look at defense in a team concept. You can't just say that we're going to match our five against your five, and and that's going to be it. If there's one guy that breaks down, the whole system breaks down. You have to have the guys connected being willing to help each other out. And and I, I don't know that they feel like they have to hide Zach on the defensive end because he's probably going to be paired with Kobe White for most of his time on the court. And Kobe's just 20 years old, go, entering his second year in the league. He has a lot to learn about playing NBA caliber defense. It's got to be a team concept. You know, so many teams run the, the pick and roll action that you're going to get a lot of switches. And guys have to be adaptable on that end of the floor as well. Um, I don't think Zach is as bad defensively as some people would like to portray him. I think what happens sometimes is he gets caught ball watching a little bit. You see a lot of times he gets victimized on those weak side cuts. I think it's just a, more of an attention to detail. And I think that's something the coaching, this new coaching staff will work with him and try to get him to focus on more to be a better team defender. He certainly at, at six, five with great quickness has the ability to be a good defensive player. It's more really about the focus. Absolutely. Defense is less of a skill thing and more of an effort thing. So uh, yeah. hopefully with, with that new coaching staff, you'll see that, that kind of that fire lit under Zach to prove that, you know, defense is not a, a weak point for him. So you mentioned Kobe white um, second season showed some, you know, some real talent in his, in his rookie season. You know, this is, this is a question that, that, that I've already asked and I'm probably going to ask a, a couple more times. What's his, what's his ceiling? I mean, is 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 he the the point guard that's gonna that's gonna run this team for the next decade or you know does he have some weak spots that could be that could be um exploited i guess 
Well, we don't really know exactly what kind of NBA player Colby White's going to become. He didn't get a chance to start until the last game before the league was shut down for the pandemic. I think that Colby White can be a, a really good all-around NBA point guard. He's got excellent quickness. We know that he can score. That's not even an issue. He's got to focus things, you know, improving on the defensive end and, and cutting down his turnovers, which is a case of any young player that comes into the league. They're going to have problems in those areas. I think that he can be a, a very good NBA point guard. I know there are some that, that believe that the Bulls should have gone out during this past offseason and, and tried to find a, a veteran to bring in. But I think that might have just slowed Kobe's development. This is the group that you want to go forward with. You've had three top 10 picks in the last three years. You want to make sure those guys reach their ceilings and that you have a firm handle on who they can be as NBA players before you decide to maybe trade one or two of them and revamp the roster again. One thing that I've been impressed with uh, uh, with Arturis Karnishevis is that he's very patient. He's very deliberate in his evaluations. And I don't think he's going to rush into anything and decide that uh, this player or that player doesn't fit until he gets a chance to see them over a larger sample size of games. And, and I think this year will probably be more of a developmental year. Then they'll go into the marketplace next summer and hope to add a premier free agent. And then maybe the year after that, be able to contend for a playoff spot. And that was this. You're actually setting me up here. This is perfect because my very next question was about was about next offseason. So the fourth member of that kind of that young core, Wendell Carter Jr., the Bulls have, are, are are set up nicely with four really solid young pieces, assuming all four of them are able to play to their play to their potential. So you don't see a scenario where the front office decides that. Uh, that that Levine's not the answer and moves in this year, or Wendell Carter's not the answer, or Laurie's not the answer. You think that this year they're going to give the four of them an opportunity to work together under Billy Donovan's offense, see what types of players they are, and then possibly make a move. I mean, there are some big-name free agents uh, coming up next year. Obviously, Giannis headlines that, but uh, Kawhi Leonard's got a, a player option. He could opt out in L.A. You know, I mean, there are a handful of players that are really that 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 could be that piece that you mentioned. Um, so, so that's how you see this playing out. Well, the problem is that a lot of those big names are not going to leave their markets, or they're not going to consider a midwestern city like Chicago. Uh, both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have player options going into this summer, but as if you follow their history, they both worked as hard as they could to get to Southern California. They're both from the Southern California area. I don't see either one of them leaving Los Angeles to, to go to a Midwest city. Now let's say the Clippers really bottom out this year and there's some kind of personal turmoil between Kawhi and Paul George. Well, yeah, maybe one of them would leave, but they'd probably go to Miami or to Phoenix or, or somewhere warm. I, I don't really see them coming to Chicago. That's the problem. One of the problems that the Bulls have is that, you know, NBA players are going to get the same money anywhere when it comes to free agent contracts. When they look at other things, weather is a big factor and the ability to contend is the other one. And I just don't see where Chicago stacks up in that regard. I think their, their bigger opportunity is going to be to use that cap space to maybe make a trade where they take back more salary than what they send out. Let's say Bradley Beal uh, doesn't like playing with Russell Westbrook in Washington and he tries to force a move out of there. Maybe they can make a trade where they take back his salary but don't have to send back the 27 or $28 million to Washington in return. Those are the kind of moves that you can use with cap space above and beyond just, just trying to sign a free agent outright. 
Yeah, and I guess that's that's one of the I guess problems that that people have with the NBA is that one team can offer the same contract as anybody else, so it's going to come down to those those secondary things, location and weather and the nightlife, you know, housing and taxes and you know things that are completely not basketball related. And then you have obviously the the players joining up to create super teams and it it forces teams like the Bulls to get creative with how they're going to with how they're going to compete because you're right. I mean Miami is 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 a a destination uh for for a lot of these big time players and the Bulls I mean Chicago's a fantastic city but but when it comes to you know going out in the middle of January where do you want to be Miami or Chicago and that's that's a problem. <laughs> Yeah, that's a pretty easy choice. And, you know, a lot of it also depends on how well the Bulls play this year. As I mentioned, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. Of course, with the new play-in system, they could be a 9 or 10 seed and get involved in one of those play-in situations. But they need to show growth. You know, they can't be a team that kind of gives up late in the season and shows no real potential for some of their young guys. We talked about the fact that Lowry Markkinen needs to take a step forward. Same thing for Kobe White and Wendell Carter Jr., if the rest of the league and player agents can see, hey, there's something good brewing in Chicago. Billy Donovan is a, is a proven winner. They have a good front office that seems to be very proactive. Those kind of things will resonate with free agents and with their with their their agents. I, I don't think that they're going to be in play for a Giannis or, or Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, but there are guys on the next level that still can be very helpful in building a team that can make the playoffs. You look at what Atlanta did this year. You know, they were able to use their cap space to bring in a couple of very good NBA players, Danilo Gallinari and Bogdan Bogdanovich. They also added the former Bull, Chris Dunn and, and Rajdan Rondo to solidify their backcourt opposite Trey Young. So that's a way to improve your roster incrementally. Everyone would love to see the, you know, the Bulls find a way to get Giannis to come 90 miles south and play for the Bulls next year. I mean, that's just not going to happen. He, if he decides to leave Milwaukee, He'll go to Miami. He'll go to Dallas. He'll, he'll go to some place that's ready to win immediately. Um, so it, it, it's unfortunate that you only, you know, there are ebbs and flows in every team's, uh, every franchise's uh, cycle of history. And the Bulls had that opportunity in 2010 when they had a very good young team with, with Derrick Rose and, and Joe Keem and Lou Aldang. They went out and tried to add LeBron and D Wade and they came close, but you finished second in that. It doesn't matter. You didn't get them. And that changed the course of, you know, they could have had three or four more championships by now. It's just, uh, you know, sometimes luck plays into it. Timing always plays into it. And now in this era of player empowerment, which I'm sure we'll talk about James Harden before we're done, um, the superstar players want to team up and they want to play together. And right now the Bulls have zero superstars on their roster and that's going to hurt them in free agency. Yeah, all it takes is one though. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a born and raised New Englander. I grew up a Celtics fan and I'm still a Celtics fan, but you know, all it takes is one, you know, the, the, for, for years and years and years, the stories were that free agents didn't want to go to Boston and you know, all it took was Al Horford and it took some winning and then, you know, Gordon Hayward came about and that obviously didn't work out quite the way the Celtics would have wanted, but Hayward came around and Kemba Walker. So all it takes is one. It takes the right, the right roster. It takes the right, you know, the right season and, and things can fall their way. Absolutely. I mean, you know, th these are the bulls. You can, they've got the history right behind me here. So the Miami heat proved last year that, that you don't need, I mean, Jimmy Butler, you know, 
depending on who you talk to, he is a superstar, he isn't a superstar, but you don't necessarily need the LeBron James level, the Giannis level superstar to win. You need the right collection of talent who are, you know, their coaching staff is playing them to their strengths and, and allowing them to do the things that they're good at. So, um, yeah, it'll be uh, uh, the, the next year. I mean, like I said, I think you've got a lot of a lot of Bulls fans who are really optimistic about the future, if not not necessarily this season. So um, we've talked about kind of the core four for the Bulls, if you will. Is there is there somebody on the roster that, um, you know, maybe somebody that that you know, somebody off the bench or is there, there's somebody under the radar, I guess that, that you're expecting to, to make a leap this year or somebody that you're keeping an eye on. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking to see what Patrick Williams can do. I know that he's a, a brand new player and he's only 19, but I think that he can be a guy that can give them something almost immediately in terms of a versatile athlete who can bring some uh, dynamic potential to that second group I think the second unit could be really interesting this year you know they've got Chandler Hutchison who's been hurt a lot his first two seasons he's another athletic wing player who I think can give them some things off the bench um, I, I like Daniel Gafford as a backup center I think he reminds me a little bit of Joakim Noah in terms of his ability to crash the uh, offensive glass and get some put back dunks and really get the crowd excited and I think they're going to be a deeper squad than what we've seen in the last couple of years a lot depends on staying healthy. They've had so many injuries over the last couple of years. I think that's going to be the biggest key. And then, of course, you got to go back to Kobe White. If he can become an upper-level NBA point guard with his already his ability to score the ball, then then you got something going. You know, if you've got Kobe and Zach Levine, you've got an improved Markinen and Wendell Carter Jr., then all of a sudden, you know, you got a chance to maybe move up to a couple of rungs in the Eastern Conference standings. The problem is that, you know, so many teams in the East got better. Teams around the NBA made some moves. And the Bulls, as I said, are kind of in a wait-and-see mode this year. So it'll probably be another year before we can really talk about the Bulls making a significant jump in the standings. Although I think they'll be a much better team and a more, much more enjoyable team to watch on the court this season. You you mentioned James Harden. Are, are there any stories, just to kind of get away from the Bulls for just a second, are there any stories across the NBA that kind of have interest. I mean, this, this Harden Rockets scenario could get pretty ugly, uh, pretty quickly. Is, is there anything other than that, um, that, that you're keeping an eye on across the NBA? Yeah. I mean, I'm really interested in the honest story because I grew up in Milwaukee. So I was a Bucks fan as a kid and, uh, I've been in Chicago now for the last 30 years. So, so I've kind of, you know, become, um, a little bit of a Bulls and a Bucks fan trying to root for teams simultaneously, which is hard in the same division. Uh, but my kids were born and raised here and they're both Bulls fans. Uh, I'm curious to see if the Bucks can hang on to Giannis. Obviously he's got a opening night deadline on whether or not he's going to sign that five year, I believe it's $228 million supermax extension. And I would love to see a player, a superstar player say, you know what? I'm just going to stay in this small market. They, tr they treated me well. I know that we've had our failings the last couple of years in the playoffs, but I'm very appreciative of what the organization did for me, and I'm going to be loyal to them, and I'm going to stay. Uh, the whole Harden thing right now, trying to force a trade, the latest development now is he's saying it doesn't have to be the Brooklyn Nets. I'll go to Philadelphia or another contender. Well, he has this year and two more years left on his contract at over $40 million each season. 
I would love to see the Houston Rockets just say, we signed that five-year extension for you in good faith. You're going to stay here and you're going to honor that contract. Um, you know, we've just seen in the, in recent years with Anthony Davis forcing his way out of New Orleans and saying he'd only go to the Lakers. We saw with Kawhi forcing his way out of San Antonio, eventually winding up where he wanted to in Southern California. And then Paul George, who signed an extension with Oklahoma City, and then immediately after one year turned around and said, well, I want to go to Southern California too. You're talking about player movement. And, and I mean, it started started with LeBron and, and, and Dwayne back in, in Miami a decade ago. And, and this is just where we are at this point with, with NBA superstars. They, they can force their way out. The, the Harden situation is interesting because he's making so much money. NBA contracts, those trades, the, the dollar amounts have to, have to match. So I don't know, you know, you'd send him to, to Philadelphia. I mean, your, your, your starting point is Ben Simmons. You know, you send him to, to Brooklyn. I, I mean, I don't even know if these teams have the players to make those salaries match without ending up with a four man roster. So, um, it's, it, it, you can request and you can demand, but if the numbers don't match, the numbers don't match. But I'm I'm right there with you, and, and then I think that's you know we're probably both a little old school in that you know we want these players to to stay with their teams for you know for 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 you know forever as it were. You know, again, growing up a Celtics fan, I you know, I, I I got to watch Larry Bird his whole career and Kevin McHale and you know, these players. I got to see growing up, and and it's just. You know, in any sport, it's just not that way anymore. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you that I, I would like to see Giannis stick around. I would like the Rockets to say, tough, you sign this deal, you're here, you know, and, and you're going to play or you're not, you know. So um, last question I have for you, and you've sort of touched on it a little bit a couple, a couple of times, but um, it's, I guess, prediction time. So you mentioned you don't think the Bulls are are primed for for a postseason push this year. What do you think realistic expectations are? Are they a 500 team? Where do you think they're going to fall this year? That's a tough question, but you know, since we're just getting ready to start the preseason, that this is the time to make predictions. I would say that um, only a 72 game season this year. So you know, in terms of uh, win totals. If they could get close to 35 wins, I think that would be that'd be a really positive season. That'd be make them 35 and 37, right around 500. The issue is going to be that some of the teams that were kind of tail-enders last year have improved. I mentioned Atlanta earlier. Charlotte signed Gordon Hayward away from your Celtics uh, with that big $120 million contract. They also got LaMelo Ball, who a lot of people are excited about as a playmaker in the draft. Uh, the Washington Wizards made the trade for Russell Westbrook, and they, they, you know, they brought in some other players as well to try to supplement their core. It's not going to be as easy as a lot of Bulls fans think to make a jump from, you know, being 12th or 13th in the East all the way up to seven or eight. There are other teams that have the same designs on playoff spots. I think the Bulls will be much improved. I think they'll be a lot more fun to watch under Billy Donovan. I think some of their young players will take a step forward in their careers, but ultimately. They don't have a superstar on the roster, and this is a superstar-driven league. I think that there are at least five or six clear-cut playoff teams in the East, and then there's another three or four that are on the next cut, and the Bulls are just below that. Now, let's say somebody really surprises you. Lowry Marketing has a career year. Patrick Williams becomes a, a factor right off the bat. Then maybe they can exceed expectations. But I would say that Getting to closer to 500 and maybe uh, maybe finishing 10th and getting into that play-in situation, that would be a good season for the Bulls. 
Yeah, you got to build somewhere and usually you aim for that right. that that 500 mark kind of in that first year of rebuilding and and, right. and more so than the record, I think it's that player development, right? We want to see we want to see Zach take that next step. We want to see Laurie be more consistent. We want to see Kobe be able to run the offense and not turn the ball over and Wendell Carter be a force down low. So it's it's that it's that development of the individual players and then um, and then Patrick Williams as well, and and what he can give you as as a 19 year old. So I think I think you're right. Bulls fans need to temper expectations a little bit and 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 look for those victories because they're gonna be there. These players are going to get better under Billy Donovan. He's shown time and time again that he's a very very good coach. And you mentioned earlier he's had a lot of success with young players at Florida and. And with really undermanned teams in in Oklahoma City, as as some of those players have been moved over, uh, moved out of you know whether it was Durant or Harden, whether those players were moved, they stepped, they continued to have success under Billy Donovan. So I think as Bulls fans, they need to be patient. You know, for once, you can be patient and be hopeful at the same time. You know, it's it's you don't have to you don't have to hope that that the team is going to succeed. I think they will. It's just a matter of time with with what they have now. So. Um, you know, Mark, I w- again, I want to thank you for your time today. Um, yeah, you know, as, as, as the bulls expert, I figured you were the right guy to, uh, you spent <laughs> a lot of time covering the bulls in your, in your time here in Chicago. So I figured you were the right guy to get on and, and talk to me about this. So, um, I appreciate your time and, and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have an opportunity to talk, uh, during the season a little bit. Aaron, thanks a lot for having me. And, and for bulls fans, the arrow is definitely pointing up. I'm really high on the front office. I like Billy Donovan as a coach coming in. He's a proven winner both in college and at the NBA level. The Williams pick could turn out to be great down the road. We're just going to have to be a little bit patient with that. And I I would say enjoy this season and just get a taste of what things are going to be like in the future. And and who knows? Maybe they will get lucky in free agency. Don't want to completely close the door on that. So it's going to be a fun NBA season. Can't wait to get it started. All right, Mark. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Aaron. And that was my interview with Mark Shanowski. This and all of my interviews are available on Facebook and YouTube. Just search Around the World Sports. You can hear audio versions of all of my work anywhere podcasts are found. In addition to that, and this is very cool, I am very happy to announce that uh, starting in a couple of weeks, Around the World Sports will be working with the guys over at Primetime Sports, providing them with content for their upcoming live shows. Please join Eric Willowite and Luke Stanzik every Monday night at 7 p.m. on Facebook for their take on the world of Chicago sports. Around the World Sports will first be featured on their upcoming show on Monday the 21st as they preview the Bulls and the upcoming NBA season. If you want to get in touch with me to provide feedback or if you have any suggestions for future episodes, you can find me on Twitter at SportsGuyAaron or you can shoot me an email at AaronIMSLombard at gmail.com. Thanks for watching and listening and we'll talk to you next time. Bye bye. Till next time. And that's the way it is. Take care of yourself. Good night and good luck.